God doesn't see Steve Cornball the way Steve Cornball was before the day that he trusted Christ. Now when God sees Steve Cornball, he sees, I paid his price. And the hope is that's available to every human being in the world. Is that, is that, is that good news? You're supposed to say yes. Okay. You look a little like, that is good news. But he goes on here and he says, verse 19, and this is the judgment. Ooh. The light has come into the world. And what does it say? And people did what? People loved the darkness rather than the light. Do you know people like that? They don't, don't tell me I do things wrong. I live my life the way I want to. The heart of humanity is a rebellion. Verse 20, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And so the hope here is that God is very loving and is very grace-filled and is very patient. But he also dislikes sin. And one day he will completely separate himself from it. But today he gives the opportunity. Will you respond to what he has done? Will you allow Christ to cover you? And many of you here, you've put your faith in Christ. We know that. And so this is a message of, oh, I need to be reminded of that. Maybe you're here this morning and you think you are, but you don't know Christ yet. Well, the good news is he's available. You can. You can trust him today. You can be covered in him right now. There's not some secret handshake. There's not some, you know, you know you, there's none of those things. It's, it's, it's so simple that we miss it. It's simply acknowledging and and acknowledging your sin, it's simply as simple as, I, God, I, I believe that Jesus, when he hung on that cross, he was dying for my wrongs. He took my sin upon him. He was willing to do that. Well, we're willing to trust him. We're willing to believe him. More than just head knowledge. But you're willing to rely on him and trust him. In him. So turn with me back to, uh, we're going to look at another, we read this passage, to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 6. We're not going to, and again, so we want to, this is one of those series that, or I, I would say this. You know, as we, as we talk about this passage, you know, there's great room for misunderstanding. There's great room for, you know, and for me as a communicator, people misunderstand what you're saying all the time. And so part of the sermon is to be a launching point. It's to be a launching point that we have conversations throughout the week. That's why we're part of a body of a community of believers. 
to, to walk with one another, to say, you know what, well, I heard Steve say this. That's not what he really meant, or uh, he, he was off on that one. I don't, but that we bring clarity when we don't understand something. We don't have to be afraid of that. That's where we as a church, we, we want people to understand what God says in here. And there's a lot of hard things, a lot of complicated things, a lot of things you know, I don't understand sometimes. I go to other people and say, what does this mean? And so that is not a shameful thing. That's a healthy thing. That's what we're to be doing is to walking and helping each other along. And so here, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, God, again, God tells us what he, he uses the word hate. He doesn't mince words. He, he is against. These are things. So let me read down through here. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. And so we're just going to look at really two of these um, We'll let you look at more of them later. But so God is saying here that he hates pride, he hates lying, and he hates death. So that's the negative side. What does God love? God loves humility. He loves humility. He loves truth. And he loves life. That's what God loves. And so, would you think about haughty eyes? What is haughty eyes? It's not really a, something that we use a whole lot. Um, haughty eyes is another pride, thinking better of yourself than you are. You think you're sufficient. I don't need anybody else. I'm okay. Or I don't want someone to know what's going on in, in my life. And again, it, each of these you know, sins that he lists here, he he connects parts of the body to them. So with, because the issue isn't your body, the issue is your heart. What he's basically saying here is, we as humanity are lost. And so the eyes reveal the heart and a pride. That's what he's saying here. A rebellion. And it goes back to when you hear a little child say, no, daddy, no, mommy, I want to do it my way. I'm not doing that. It's that simple, but it's even as we get older what that looks like. And so um, in the context of the passage, look up in, ver uh, chapter, uh, in verse uh, 13 in the same chapter, uh, Proverbs 6. He says that this person winks with his eyes and signals with his feet, points with his finger. The, the idea here, he's, he's warning to say, watch out for this person that is subtle in the way they respond in life. They look like they're okay, but they're really not. Turn over to uh, Proverbs 8, verse 13. Here he says a little bit more direct, talking about what is, what is godly wisdom. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I 
hate. And so what is God saying here is that I don't like pride. When you think you're okay, when you don't want help, you don't want input, you, you, you aren't willing to say, I, I, need, I need help from someone. And the example of this is Christ is the example. He lived in great humility. He was the king. He could have said, you know what, I know what I need to do, but he didn't. He said, I need to wash your feet. I need to do these things. And so, haughty eyes. God does not like pride. Turn back to uh, Proverbs 30, verses 12 and 13. another way of, you know, pride is, is deceptive. I mean, no one walks around saying, you know, hey, I got pride in my life. No, no one says that. I, mean, I guess the real arrogant person might, you know. Listen to the words here the, in, in Proverbs 30, 12 and 13. There are those who are clean in their own eyes, but are not washed of their filth. There are those how lofty are their eyes? How high their eyelids lift? And so what he's saying here is that pride is subtle. Usually the person who doesn't know they have pride is the person who is proud. Everybody else can see it. And it comes down to, you know, he's saying here, you know, you can think that you're clean. You can think that you're okay. And if you're trusting in your righteousness to get you to God, then what you're really saying is, I don't need Christ. I don't need the sacrifice that God made on your behalf. That's pride. And so for the unbeliever, what does the unbeliever need? The unbeliever needs to humble themselves to recognize that Jesus Christ is the only way to have your sins forgiven. So that's for the unbeliever. But what about the believer? You know, many of us in this room, you know, we are believers. You're like, yeah, oh, Steve, I checked that box off. I did that years ago. Does that mean pride is done from our life? Any of you struggle with pride this week? Who's willing to admit it? That's right. Let's see, now the hands are coming up. All of us. There's no one in here that's completely humble. We're all in process. And so for... For the believer in Christ, God is not against us. God is for us. But what does that mean? It means that he is going to bring humility into our life. He's going to allow us to go through things to pull that pride out where we are more dependent upon him, where we're allowing him to have his way in us. And we will never, ever get there. And so this area of pride that, that God is against, you know, it's for the unbeliever, but also for the believer, too. And I think as believers, we can tend to think, well, I know Jesus, so I'm, I'm, I'm okay. No. Are, are, are we allowing Christ to transform us? You know, when, when you're wrong, do you, do you admit it? Or do you keep making excuses why you try to prove and make it look like you're okay? That's pride. Simple. How long does it take you to go and tell someone that you're sorry? Our slowness reveals our pride. Our pride. I think part of the, the, 
the focus as we're looking here is that I think as believers, we can tend to minimize our sin. Well, I'm not like that person. Well, they did this. That's not what Jesus went to a cross for. He went to a cross so that we could be transformed. So that we could be made right. That we could become more like Christ. So as we think about pride, God is not proud. Um, here's, uh, and we looked at a number of months ago, Genesis chapter 14. So who is God? Genesis chapter 14, verses 19 through 20. God tells us about himself. <clears throat> here's what he says. And he blessed him and he said, blessed be Abraham by God. What does he say? Most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high. He repeats it twice. God is the most high. He is not proud and arrogant because he is at the top. That's who he is. He's not arrogant. He's great. He's worthy of praise. So pride becomes when we think we're like him. Well, I don't need to do that. I'm above this. We try to be like him, but we really can't. And so pride's really um, in our mind in a sense. And so as we think about this, you know, I, I would say for us as believers, you allow in the spirit of God to search your heart. God, where, 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 am I, where am I proud? Where, I, where do I need more humility? Only a humble person will pray a prayer like that. Only a humble person will ask that question. Because the truth is, humility is hard. It's very difficult. But Christ provides the way. So let's flip back to Proverbs chapter 6. We'll look at the next one. God is the most high. So the second, Proverbs 6, verse 17. It says, haughty eyes and a lying tongue. A lying tongue. If you look back up in earlier, and again, in Proverbs, we're not looking at the whole context here, but I'm just kind of, you know, this isn't the first time he's saying it in the context of the flow of, of uh, Proverbs 6. Uh, he says it uh, this way, up in verse 12 and 13. A worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech. With crooked speech. It's lying. You're not, you're not telling the truth. You're not talking about what is reality and what is true. What God is saying that he does not, he doesn't like a lying tongue. Hold your finger there. Turn back to uh, Psalm chapter 5. Psalm chapter 5, verses 4 through 6. We read this passage last week, but I want to read it again. Again, these are words that... And I, and I think, as, you know, as we think about lying, again, as a, as a believer, you know, we can tend to, ah, you know, well, we're kind of just, well, I'm not really giving the truth. I think as we think about our sin, do we, do we minimize it? 
You think it's that? Not, eh, not really that bad. Verse 4. Uh, Psalm 4, verse, Psalm 5, verse 4. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who, what does he say? Speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. So what is he saying here is that, you know what? All lies, eventually, the truth will come out. God will bring the truth out. It may take years. It may, may be after you're dead and gone. But the, tru the, the truth is, the truth will always come out. And so in Psalm 5, he's, he's telling us here how much God does not like when we speak lies. Turn back to Proverbs uh, 26, verse 28. Think about it in this, in this way. Proverbs 26, 28 says this, A lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. A lying tongue hates its victims. And so what is it saying? When we lie, you know, we can say, I love you, but if we're not telling the truth, the truth is we're not really loving that person if we're not honest with them. That's what he's saying here. A lying tongue hates his victims. Well, it doesn't feel like I'm hating them because I'm not fully telling them what they... It doesn't matter what you feel. The truth is love, and you go back to 1 Corinthians 13, love always speaks the truth. Always. And so that's what he's saying here. When, when we lie, we're, we're, we, you, you can't be loving someone and not telling the truth. It's impossible. Turn back to uh, Psalm 120. Here are the psalmists. And again, as we think about this, you know, so what do I do with that? The psalmist expresses uh, his heart here and, and a prayer. And again, I think this would be something for us to be, you know, as believers, to be praying regularly. Look what he says in Psalm 120, verses 2 and 3. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? So he starts here by saying, God, deliver me. God, I need your help. That, that's the cry of, that's a prayer of humility. That's a prayer of desperate, that's a prayer of, God, I can't do this by myself. I want to hide. I want to hide in things that aren't true. I'd rather not deal with it. So he says, deliver me, O Lord. I think that's a good application for us here this morning. Is that your prayer, God? Help me to have a tongue that speaks the truth. That I would be more like you. Because this is who God is. Turn back to John chapter 14. John 14 verse 17. 
again, grounded is that God is the most high. John chapter 14. Does God ever speak lies? See what he says here about himself. Let the, let the scriptures answer that question. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Who is the spirit of truth? Jesus, the spirit of God, God himself. And so what is he saying here? The point is that God always says what is true. He doesn't shade anything. He doesn't make it sound better. I mean, when you read this book, does God shade things? Does he? No, he's pretty graphic, isn't he? Go start reading through the Old Testament. He doesn't mince words. He doesn't give us this fake picture. Well, let's just try to get him in the door. No, no, he's, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. So I was thinking about the, the Christmas story, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about this next week, but, you know, the example here and the, the subtleness. Uh, you remember when the wise men came to uh, Jerusalem, and they were following the star, and they were looking for this king that was born, and what did they say to Herod? Or, or what did Herod say to the, to the wise men? Hey, when, when you find this king, can you tell me? Because I want to go and do what? Worship him. What were, it, was that, is that what was in his heart? No way. He was a proud, arrogant, insecure. And it sounded like, oh, I want to come worship him. But what did the wise men, later they were like, something's not right here. God gave them wisdom. God gave them discernment to discern what was the truth. Because Herod said the right thing. I want to go worship him. He said the right thing. Unfortunately, that's, what, that's not what his heart was about. He wanted to go execute the king. But God is the most high. <laughs> he wasn't taken back by that. He knew exactly what he was doing. So the last one he says here, you know, in, in Proverbs 6 is hands that shed innocent blood. And so, um, you know, we're just kind of out of time. I'm going to just kind of, you know, as we finish up here, that God is the one. He is the giver of life. And the truth is, Life is more than just physical. Life is more than just our, our body and, and, and where we're going today. Life is spiritual as well. It's about eternal life. And so two last passages, Acts chapter 3, um, in, in summary here, Acts chapter 3, Peter tells the crowd the truth in Acts chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Here's what he says. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life. 
But what does it say God did? God raised him from the grave. You say grave or dead? From the dead. To this we are witnesses. And so, yes, God does not like the shedding of blood. God does not like uh, when we lie. God does, he, he, he hates pride. But the truth is, when he was killed, he rose again in victory over sin. And so that's the hope. That's the hope that we have. And the last verse here, John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse, verse 10. Probably heard this a number of times. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And we know who the thief is. Satan, evil, Lucifer. He is bent on one thing, and that is death and destruction. But on the other side, Jesus says here, what does he say? I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. God wants us to have life in himself. He wants us to be truthful. He wants us to have humility. He wants us to be more like Christ in all that we're doing. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here and uh, we're going to sing a couple songs and uh, have a special, hear a little bit about Good News Club in a minute. And, um, and so let me pray as they uh, get ready. God, we thank you for these truths, Lord. We thank you, God, that you uh, are full of grace. God, that you offer us hope. God, may, Lord, if there's someone here this morning that doesn't know Christ, God, that your Holy Spirit would convict them and draw them and help them to see you for who you are and that you're just as real today as you were 2,000 years ago. God, for us as believers, that you would help us to become more like you. That we would grow in humility, that we would speak the truth, that we would truly have life in your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we thank you for all of these things. In your name, amen. All right, well, we're going to stand up here and... We're glad, we can be glad that there is a counter to all these bad things that God hates. Through his love, he gives us grace. And that's what we're going to sing about right now. The love of God is great. 